0: The following podcast contains coarse language and strong opinions on wine. Seriously, these two have potty mouths and little self control. Listeners, you've been warned.
1: Live from our basement studios here in suburban Chicago, it's another edition of That Wine Pod. I'm Pete, and sitting across from me, my co-host, the Bohemian
0: boxer, Vino Mike. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Yeah. We uh
1: we're going we're going outside the box today.
0: Yeah. We're baby. going outside the bottle. Thinking outside the bottle.
1: Think outside the box. Or think outside the back. What was that? Was it for Taco
0: Bell? What was that? Oh my gosh! That slogan. Yeah. yeah. Um, think outside the the bun.
1: Think outside the bun. That's what it was.
0: <laughs> Into a nice shell. See, marketing works. Marketing works. Except I couldn't
1: remember. Kind of like when 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 Andy couldn't remember the the Kit Kat song.
0: <laughs> Give me a break.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man.
1: Football team. <laughs> Tartar sauce.
0: <laughs> man. Not, we just did the office experience in Chicago. Yeah. How's was that? Phenomenal. Yeah. And if you're a fan of the show and you know it and you're in that culture, highly recommend seeking this out. I don't know if it's in different cities. I mean, go on the website or whatever, but it, it was, or it was an experience for sure. It's very, it was very what, interactive. So what do they, they do for that? Well, you walk it, you, you know, you, you get your Dunder Mifflin badge first. There's, there's, you know, uh, uh, what do they call it? You know, like paraphernalia or, uh. You know, there's stuff from the show all over the place. Okay, so you, you're brought into this room. You watch this quick video narrated by Rain Wilson by Dwight. It's actually Dwight's character, Dwight, narrating the video, kind of reliving the office, telling you like the the do's and don'ts, like. Um, you're, there's certain rooms you're able to be interactive and touch things. Other, they're like, you know, please don't mess with this or whatever. Like Jenna Fisher.
1: You can't touch Jenna. Fisher. <laughs>
0: Jenna, Jenna wasn't there. Oh. unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Um, but you walk through these series of rooms. One, one is the office set like set, you know, I mean, it really feels like you're in there and you can go into Michael Scott's office and into the conference room and just all the inside jokes are there. It's great. Just everything you can imagine. That's awesome. So it was fun. And then, uh, they had like four. Flunker tin setup. so you can stand on the paper boxes and you put your foot through the flunk was it called yeah the flunk. i think uh and you know you're not actually walking those are stuck on the ground but you take pictures with that but we played office ball um if you remember where they throw the ball against the wall Thunderball. Thunderball. it's not office ball dunderball my goodness uh yeah. so we we did that those are some interactive parts to it uh and you know it was it was really good about an hour and a half ex- experience uh time and well worth it it was a lot of fun just lots of smiling and laughing the whole time that's funny yeah
1: so uh, because i'm 12 uh, <laughs> i build a lot of lego and i just finished the seinfeld set oh yeah and it it has like all the little jokes like all around like via stickers a lot of it right oh, man, but there that's was great there's even a um uh uh, uh uh, Festivus pole. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So it was pretty.
0: It was fun to do that. And is that yeah. an individual piece? Uh, you know, like the pole. Did you have to put the pole together? You or did it a little bit. Okay.
1: Yeah, you did. A, I mean, yeah, it was like three pieces or whatever.
0: Feats of strength. Yes. <laughs> time.
1: Well, the entire time I was building it, I was airing all my grievances. So <laughs> I've it seen worked it out fine.
0: on the shelves, and I've thought of you for sure because I know yeah. you got a lot of unique uh, Lego.
1: Yeah, I got that for, for the birthday, so very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I I built the the Lego Adidas. It's next to you there. Um and then uh I'm working
0: on the space shuttle. That's awesome. Yeah. That reminds me of you know, like run DMC. That's right. Right over They're, there. Walk this way video with Aerosmith. And well, then like in my step Adidas. Out. Yeah. The song My Adidas, right? There you go.
1: Black and white, white with black stripes, the kind of like to
0: wear when I rock the mic. <laughs> nice. <laughs> You know, man, we got to just, you know, and I know this is that wine pod, but it'd be fun to blend all this stuff together <laughs> and just drink wine and maybe talk about it a little bit. Those are called but lifestyle podcasts. Talk about the office and Seinfeld and, you know, yeah, hip hop and rap in the 90s. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, it's good stuff. We do that anyway, I guess. We do. We are lifestyle slash beverage.
1: Right. And now we're doing it like during book club because you brought us...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Something special today. You know, we're always talking about what's in that bottle, and we wanted to switch it up, and now we're going to be talking about what's in that box. What's in that box? This kind of was inspired recently by a post I saw on Instagram, somebody I know, and she posted, hey, I finally got my hands on this box wine. And I was like, oh, I've never heard of that. That's cool. And I wanted to try to search it out because... There's very few quality box wines that have like made it into the fridge where we're totally that are are good and interesting and, um, you know, offer convenience, but also quality. And I was like, oh, I want to try this. This looks interesting. And then it's like, why don't we try it together on the show and, you know, be a a fun little episode because we've never done anything out of a box on here. So what did you do today? Bought box wine. That's a show. That's a show. And when I bought the box wine, I went to, like, it was tagged on Instagram, the producer here. So I went to their Instagram page, clicked on their link. That brought me to this article on Vine that just recently ranked the 12 best box wines, um, according to Vine And we happened to have randomly here the number one and number two ranked from from the list and there's some other things to talk about from the list and not from the list so it should be kind of a an interesting and fun episode so yeah for sure um you know so why don't we why don't we dive white right in white in with the white wine (laughs) Uh, we've got a white and a red to try today, Pete. So we are going to go traditional,
1: double the the wine, double
0: the fun. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting. So first of all, the, the packaging, both of these are the equivalent of three liters. So we have six liters of wine sitting right here on the corner of your desk, um, you, you know that's the equivalent of what six uh eight bottles eight bottles um so to have eight bottles of wine sitting around you know definitely more clunky more space um you know this offers like a definite convenience aspect It, it they're thin and um easy to fit into the fridge and things like that so so, so it's, it's kinda,
1: like of it to put it in perspective that's two-thirds
0: of a case of a case yeah and these are both priced Relatively equally. Well, you know, I would just maybe call them, you know, $35. Um, you know, I think on the Vine Pair article, there's a dollar difference, like one's 33 and one's 34 you know, whatever. I, the one that's 33 I think I paid 35 But anyway, we'll get into it. Um, so the first box wine, the white wine, is called Splink. And Splink is, you'll see the photos on our social and everything. It's kind of a cool package. It's a yellow box. And on the side offers a lot of great information. So really big, it says Gruner Weltliner. So that's the grape we're drinking, or Gruner Veltliner. Uh, it has the vintage on it, 2020. And I was very happy to have found a 2020 of this on the shelf and not something a little bit older. Cause it's, you know, it's nice and fresh gruner ages. Well, I'm sure like some older versions of this are probably holding up. Okay. But to find a 2020 version of this wine was, was very cool. Now it also says Austrian qualitates wein Nieder Osterreich. So we've got like a pretty good designation of Austrian wine right on the box where it comes from the Nieder Osterreich region. Um, that, that, I think, is more detailed than most of these box wines that people are more familiar with, like Barefoot and Boda Box and things like that, that draw from, you know, would be like wine of Chile or American wine, something a lot more broad. So uh, pretty cool. And then it says who it's produced by, which is Vine Gut Norbert Bauer, which I didn't really... Realize until today, or I don't know those wines. I haven't had anything outside of Splink. Uh, full disclosure, I've had plenty of Splink in the past. It's been a while. I haven't had this for a little while. The reason I had it in the pla- past is we first tasted this when I was working at Vin Chicago on Elston Avenue. Uh, it is imported by Cream. And we're like, wow, this is actually really good juice. You know, let's bring it in. And we kept it on the shelf, and between the staff and some customers, We regularly turned this over and and sold a good amount of it. It was a regular staple in the store. So it was also a regular staple in my fridge at home. But, you know, since I left Vin and the pandemic and whatever, I haven't had this around at home for a long time. But when we wanted to do this episode, I was like, all right, let me search out this red wine that I saw on Instagram. But let me see if I can find some Splink to talk about. This was before learning how this was ranked in the vine pair. Uh-huh. The top 12, you know? Um, so uh, so what did I do? I called up uh, my buddy Super Jessico, who works for Cream, and was like, hey, where can we find some Splink? And he pointed me towards Andersonville Wine and Spirits. Oh, nice. And I was like, sweet. I'll swing in there. It's been a long time since I went in there. Great little bottle shop um, on Clark and uh, Foster. And they, they had it. So here we are with it today. Um, and I kind of was... Happy to see that they were supporting this wine. I don't know where else it really is. I I can't imagine how much of this is being sold in Illinois. Probably a little bit more in New York and the Northeast. But, um, you know, I hope that Cream continues to import it and sell it. And I hope that some accounts that support it continue also to uh, bring it in and get it into consumers' hands. So, uh let's get into it, man. Did you do a sniffy sniff or a tasty taste on it yet?
1: No, not really. I mean I, I, I nosed it slightly just to kinda to kinda check it out, right? And it smelled like quality Gruner. Yeah. I mean, quite frankly. Yeah. You know, one of the things I like about it, Gruner before we even get into this wine is the fact that it's just it's so good as a daily drinker. It's clean, it's it's refreshing. You know, always has a really good acidity, great seafood, wine, great, great wine, like with a, with a salad. Yeah. You know, like if you're looking for a little light lunch with a salad, always good, but just put, chill it down and, and chug away kind of thing.
0: Right. Yeah, for sure. This is why it was a staple in my fridge for a number of years, because when you just want, all right, we're having something to eat that goes with a white. I mean, this is, like, one of the most versatile things you can have. Like, all right, let's just pour a glass of Gruner and uh, pair it up. Like, with everything you just said, we do a lot of uh, sushi at home, like, like to-go, takeout. We do a lot of Thai food takeout. Um, this goes with it all. It's, it's just great. Uh, on, on the nose, to me, it's got a lot of intensity. You know, yeah, like this concentration level, that's pretty high. There's a little bit of, um, you know, honey, honeysuckle. It's not so like dense honey, but the n- notes of honey or honeysuckle, a little bit floral. Um, we have talked to Gruner on the podcast before, um, but not this, not this one. So Gruner can definitely range in styles from like really bone dry and crisp to something with a little bit more body, a little bit more fruit, um, a, you know, a the essence of sweetness without tasting sweet on the palate though. And I think this has that. Yeah, I would agree. Not so much peppery or green. Uh, You know, a lot of times people talk about radish or watercress or things like that. I don't really get that out of this wine per se uh, as strong as other versions, but um, you know, overall though, I think this is pretty quality stuff. And it's fun to revisit. I knew it was quality stuff back then, and it still is. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I think that that intensity carries through to the palate too. I mean, it's just it's got a lot of flavors, and it it runs the gamut. To, at least for me, there's some really nice like citrus fruits, stone fruits, uh, and orchard fruit in there. But I do get a really nice burst of minerality and. I get some of that little radish pepperiness on the palate, like right at the end. Yeah, a
0: little bit on the finish there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not yeah. so intense on the nose or up front, but yeah. it is Gruner, and that is definitely a hallmark kind of characteristic of it. So yeah. um, we found some interesting stuff about the winery, too. I mean, yeah, right? I like, had
1: no idea. I mean, I've sold this wine, too, obviously,
0: for a while, and yep. I had no clue <laughs> the history. And kudos to the imp- the importer is communal brands. The the winery, Norbert Bauer, I couldn't find anything about Splink on their site. But when you go to the communal brand site, they have Norbert Bauer. You can click on that, and then you can click on Splink. And so this is organic practices in the vineyards, which doesn't mean it's all organic, the final product, or it's just organic grapes. It's just the way they farm the grapes is organically, and that's great. Uh, it's a cool climate site, which is pretty Pretty normal for Austrian wine in general. Uh, gently pressed, allowed to macerate for 12 hours. Spontaneous fermentation, lasted 22 days at a cool temperature in stainless steel tank. Remains on the lees for 12 hours before filling to keep the wine as young and fresh as possible. Lightly fined and filtered. Now, the reason I'm reading all of this, though, not to bore you all to death, but this is a box wine. Right. You just don't get this level of information and this level of kind of quality going into this alternative packaging
1: Well I think that you, we're starting to see a shift, right And I think that maybe I think time is one thing but I also think that the the pandemic gave producers permission to explore alternative methods in a new way and people are much more open at this point to understanding, that a business needs to do what they need to do to stay in business for yeah. one. Right. Um, also, I mean, this is, they're kind of a leader here. They've been doing the same thing for many years mm-hmm. and others are just going to start coming around to it. Yeah. If you will. Yeah. The other piece of this too, that I found interesting is that it's cool climate. They said the same longitude as champagne approximately. Mm-hmm. Right. So that kind of gives you an idea because champagne needs cool climate grapes. Right. Um, to yeah. be successful. Yeah. And that that I found was interesting and just the, the the family itself
0: been around a little while.
1: 1721 1721. So this is the 11th generation of the family to own and operate this winery. That's just that's freaking amazing. We weren't even a country yet here in the United States. Independent country. Right. Right?
0: When this when this family we started. We were
1: subjects. Yeah.
0: Back then. So yeah, lower, lower, um, you know, uh, lower, lower ripeness, lower alcohol, higher acidity with this cool climate growing, right? And that, that is what Gruner is all about. This right on the box is 12.5% alcohol, um, just to let you know. So, wow, that's some, I mean, that even though it's a little bit
1: of heft for a,
0: a little bit of heft, a, a little I, bit I, of heft. I feel like you do feel you, that. Yeah, right?
1: you do. Um, I would have, yeah, I, I'm not surprised by what it is. Uh, I thought maybe it just was drinking that way, right? But it's definitely got a little bit of pop to it, uh, but but in a nice way. Nothing's out of balance here.
0: Right. Indeed. So, I mean, pretty pretty good quality here. Uh, not surprised to see it make, you know, like in the top three of anybody's box wine best, best in the box list, if you will. Yeah. So. Uh, a well-deserved two spot. So they say one fun little factoid here the design of the packaging is inspired by the 80s an era where apple computers were the boxes everyone was talking about and craftworks computer love album debuted <laughs> not sure i could name a tune off of that album i wonder if i heard any of it if i would know a tune or not but it is this fun 1980s computery digitally sort of you know packaging and that's kind of the only thing that is standard to these box wines is the packaging i don't i don't want to say standard that they're all the same shape but most use the same uh setup to to package the wine so you know the wine is filled first into the plastic bag um known (laughs) as the bladder right which um, it's not the most, doesn't sound the most attractive, but we call that the bladder. So it's filled, it's filled into the the bag and then they put the spigot on it, uh, that seals everything up. And then that goes into the box, into the packaging. Um, these, because of the way that they're packaged and with the spigot, they can last about four to six weeks in your fridge. Versus, of course, you know, a bottle of wine might go oxidize. So, th- again, there's more of the convenience factor. Uh, what else? They talk about, you know, being more environmentally friendly. Yeah, the carbon footprint is much smaller. The carbon footprint is smaller. So this tends to be the leading uh, points that come to play when you are marketed box wine. And I think very few offer the detail and labeling that you get with Splink. So I'm just going to say that before we move on to the next one. Yeah. I I mean, in in addition,
1: though, it, it does
0: cost less
1: for them to package this, too. Like, just their own costs. So that's a
0: great point to talk about is, you know, are you getting more value? More value. You know, so if we just use a round number, call these thirty-six dollars divided by four. It's the equivalent of a nine-dollar bottle of wine. You know, I've I've got the little price tag on Splink. It's thirty-four point ninety-nine. So it's like eight point nine yeah, or whatever. call it nine you know? dollars. So bottle. nine yeah. nine dollars and under, um, which sounds like a really great value. I don't know any Gruner off the top of my head that is eight point ninety-nine in a store. Right. It might it, it might exist, but you you know. And we're talking about dollars here. I mean, there's definitely like $10.99, 11 99 12 99 $15 Gruners. But sub-10, hard to find. I, I would
1: agree. I mean, the, the question is, I think that this is specifically made to be boxed wine. There's not like bottles of it, and then you've got this box, right? Whereas others, there are bottles, and then you get a box, and it's like the box discounts at times. Sometimes, right? Not always. Sometimes discounts the kind of bulk buy, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so I'm thinking about like house wine, right? Yeah. They're, they're big in the box category. Yeah. They also have bottles.
0: Like the brand house wine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. The gotcha. brand out of Washington yep. state. Okay. Um, Which I saw them on the list. They'll right? probably be
1: on it. I, you know, I didn't look through the full list, but my guess is they're on it more than once because quite frankly, for 18 to 25 bucks, those house wines are really good value I mean, they're, it's good wine, right? And, you know, it, it's just that we're not...
0: I mean, here it is, number seven.
1: Oh, well, and there we go.
0: they're quoting $19. So almost half the price. So now we're talking about, right. you know, a $4.50 bottle equivalent wow. with house wine.
1: Oh, you know what? If, they're, it's, they're... if it's, is it three liter? Yes, I think they are. Um, Or are they? I think they're three liter. Oh, so here's another one uh, number three house wine chardonnay number eight is eighteen dollars so five dollars less than five dollars
0: per seven hundred and fifty
1: milliliter bottle
0: gotcha yep so that that is a three liter box. I'm sure the other one is too right and now you contrast that now this this makes sense to me in a way where like domestic less cost to produce Washington state why can't that be five dollars you know that price point where right typically it's like hey i want a washington state cab that's a good value what price point pops in your head like 16 dollars right 15 like mid-teens maybe i mean sure there might be some 10 dollar and under in the grocery store that are labeled washington state but we're talking about like quality for price right. so i i don't know man you know like It's an interesting conversation. And before we get into the red that we're going to taste to just kind of stay on topic with this, one of the number four. Yeah, that's what I was going to talk about. Yeah. Let's go to number four because you actually know someone involved. No, my dad does. Okay. My my
1: dad knows the owner and founder of Boxed Wines. So they do it by profile. Yeah. I think there's six profiles. Maybe this is they say number four is profile five. Okay. And theirs is eighty-nine dollars. So yep. a very expensive four a box, right? Yes. You're still talking about four bottles of wine. They this is just a a, a California blend, mm-hmm. right? So they don't give a ton of information necessarily about this. But what's interesting about theirs, these are cardboard boxes, eco. Conscious, right like on as lightweight as possible the bladder, right? right now right boxed actually is a wood box okay it's made yeah. in a in a it's definitely in a profile that looks much nicer if more you will premium. more yeah. premium yeah. yeah
0: and for for the listener boxed that we're talking about it's b-o-x-t right that's their brand name that's their trademark name boxed
1: yeah and they do give some they they do give some Regions for some of their profiles, right, but if they're all premium, I think they're all the same price
0: you know on the website, I remember doing a little research, and I saw like you know Cabernet from Mount Veeder. you know they they're talking about sub regions of Napa Valley that normally would have a premium price to that fruit, but it it really doesn't get very detailed beyond that, so it's interesting because.
1: Well, and I think the same. This is either. the
0: conversation. Are you cool with buying the convenience of having like this packaging? And sure, it would be fun to taste one. Maybe we'll get one one day. I, I mean, it didn't look like super, like you, you can basically subscribe, right?
1: That That is their model. It's, subscription. It's a subscription. If you don't
0: subscribe, it gets really pricey. It gets really, really pricey. But, you know, 90 bucks for four bottles, you know.
1: I mean that's premium, yeah, that's premium right? Premium. Like I, I mean with- to
0: have Napa cab or Napa juice or California juice, premium California juice on tap at home, but not knowing there's I, this is where it's tough for me because when you when you drink like a thirty to forty dollar bottle and upwards, right? It, part of that cost and that romance is being associated with the producer, with the winery. They're trying to transcend and get to a point where like we're offering high quality juice but you're just drinking boxed you're just having a good glass of california wine there's a market for it obviously but i have a hard time signing up for something like that
1: yeah i mean i think that i think they're doing well obviously coming in at number four is pretty good i mean the fact that they're not number one with an 89 bottle of wine and it's their blend not their cabernet that's all very surprising to me, yeah. right? Yeah. I, and remember, this is one person's list, vine pair. Yeah. This is one publication, right? One little thing. And it's also, I don't even know if they tasted anything else, yeah. right? Like maybe they didn't taste the rest of the boxed wines. Yeah. I, have, I have no idea in context yeah, at all. you know,
0: and I just want to clarify. I, you know, I did talk about 30 to $40 price point because that's where I think it gets sort of very producer driven. But, you know, their equivalent is closer to... It's like the low 20s. Right. So it's premium, like, a you know, a $23 bottle of house wine. Right. To me, that's kind of premium. You know, I mean, I think I can think of so many awesome wines that are around $24 that I'd rather pop the cork on, perhaps, than just drink a ubiquitous premium California wine. Right. So it's tough. It's a tough sell for me.
1: Well, and I mean, so speaking of that, though, before we, you know, do taste the, the next one. Mm-hmm. Tablas Creek jumped in this fray. Yes. Right? Recently. Yes. They
0: just they just blew up with it. Really. They just
1: went viral yeah. with their three liter um, box of rosé. Yes. That they were selling for $95. Yes. For, for their rosé. And that is a zero discount on their bottles mm-hmm. to, to do it boxed. Um, and as a matter of fact, I would say it's even a premium because you can get those bottles... Under, you know, around 20 bucks. Yeah. Quite often. Yeah. You this, know, this in the was, marketplace. I believe,
0: exclusive to the club only. It was. I believe.
1: And it's sold out like
0: immediately. From, in a matter of hours. Yeah. Right. Is what they
1: said. Right. And so the question becomes, right. Tablas Creek did something that's not unique. Yeah. But it, but it is unique to them and to, to premium them. wine, especially this kind of thing. But it's a good vehicle for fresh wines, right? whites and rosés, I would say I gravitate towards over red in boxes overall or or a red that can be chilled just because of the nature of the beast, like the freshness factor mm-hmm. being so good. And what they did here, though, is said, we're going to do something. We're going to make the money we believe the wine is worth, not necessarily what the market might tell us it dictates at. So if I was consulting on this, I may have said... Geez, I don't know. Maybe you should make this seventy-five bucks instead of ninety-five, right? They would have lost twenty bucks a box for no reason. As a matter of fact, selling out in a matter of hours, I might argue that they could have been one twenty-five. Yeah. Right at this point. Now you know. Yeah. Right. I, so the question becomes: like, is it like we act like companies making a profit is a bad thing? It's not, right? Th- there there may be limits in some people's minds, and I'm not going to argue that, right? Yeah. But when you're talking about wine producers, let me tell you, let me let you in on a secret. Outside of a very small handful, they struggle year to year. Mm-hmm. They may or may not make a profit year to year. And Tablas Creek is one of those that's it's old, established, extremely well-respected. And if I asked 100 wine drinkers in this area to name their top 50 wines out of that 100, maybe one might say a Tablas Creek wine, Right. It, maybe, it, maybe, maybe, and I'm sitting it here might be wondering,
0: zero. you know, we know Tablas Creek very, very well. I wonder how much of our audience knows it, but you know, this is a very well, like you said, established winery in Paso Robles that is related. It's the California outpost or California winery of Chateau Beaucastle, one of the most famous Chateauneuf-du-Pape's and producers of Rhone wine in Southern France. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, to...
1: so they've got a little bit different whenever we're talking about these old wineries, old in holding stuff here in the new world. So it's a little different, but if you just take it as an entity, right? Like forgetting about that part of it, like the Bowcastle part, it's, it's not like we're all naming Tablas Creek, but it gives them permission to experiment too, because of that money behind them. But if you go to, you know, another, like name an Italian producer that we absolutely love. um, Guillermo, Guillermo, Right. Guillermo could produce box wines and some damn good ones, given what the wine looks like. Right. But I don't know if he could command a a premium or the same price point. I don't know. Maybe because his prices aren't outrageous anyway, to begin with. But I guess I want us to think about like, would we rather have a box of uh, Guillermo Arnais in the fridge Over four bottles. My answer is yes. I'd be willing to pay the same price I pay for the bottles to get the box, and it would make them more money. So in the end, I'm wondering why more people
0: don't do this. And will Tablas Creek kind of be that pioneer? You know where it's like a premium winery brand name will others now jump on especially seeing after uh you know seeing seeing their results and how quickly it sold out and what that demand looks like they obviously didn't even have enough of it to satisfy the demand that maybe they i don't be interesting to know what the forecast was on that I, i i'm not sure um you know sometimes maybe you make a little less to create demand you know um and make it kind of more exclusive so but i think the premium pricing is really interesting conversation because when we're buying Often, premium wine in larger formats, like 1.5-liter magnums or 3-liters, we tend to pay a premium for those bottlings. They tend to be more, uh, perhaps, barrel-selected by the producer. There's less of them made. They're more rare. They age better. Now, we're also talking about, you know, cellar-worthy wines, where box wine obviously does not have that, uh, you know... It, it doesn't have that potential. It doesn't have that potential yet. I, I mean, I don't know if ever. I I, I don't know. You know, <laughs> yeah. It, it, never it, say never. It, like screw caps, right? Like, oh, you can't age. Well, they do age really well. Can can wine in a bladder age well if it's really premium and made well? Why would you though? I'm I'm not sure. That's that's getting way off the reservation here. But well,
1: but there also is an increased cost to bottling those larger bottles, right? they they it's not like yeah that's true too a 1.5 bottle is not just double the cost of a 750 it's like it's more yeah it, it's it's more than th- the, they're exponential
0: as you go larger and we we always just think about the juice equivalent how much right. wine per you know and then yes there the glass the the cork the shipping the weight everything well there's not the
1: bottling you know assembly line
0: for 3 liter for big, bottles the way package. that there are for 750 it just doesn't work that way yeah. right so which, by the way, go to the Tablas Creek Instagram, everyone, oh, yeah. because they showed you how they package the these, you know, these the, the boxes, yeah. the bladders, which I'm sure is very similar for all of them. So if you want to see, it was a really cool video, actually. Um, and, yeah, I mean, kudos to them, but it, it, we'll see what happens. So, Awesome. Well, while you pour yep. um, the next wine,
1: there was... When I first got into the wine business and had my my, uh, shop down in Frankfurt, there was another Washington winery that bottled, um, uh, well, bottled, that made a box wine, and Mm -hmm. it was simply called Xbox. (laughs) And it was, the one I had was was Sauvignon Blanc, (laughs) and eventually they did get a cease and desist by this little company called Microsoft, right? But I have to tell you, I sold a boatload of that and I got it on closeout for like three bucks a box. Oh my gosh. And it was really good juice, but I think they knew either knew the lawsuit was coming or they just weren't able to sell box wines. I mean, this is a long time ago, right? This is 17, 16, 17 years ago. And I was able to sell it though for like 15 bucks a box. So it was still dirt cheap. Right. To the consumer. It was really good juice worth that much. But I had paid three. It was like finally a way to make a few dollars. Right. Um, Right. And, you know, I I always had a box of that for the amount of time that we had it. Right. The two vintages or whatever. We had it. It was always in my fridge because it was just good.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, there, there's no mistaking the convenience factor of this, especially when you have something that's good and sitting here, like I'm pouring these, this next wine for us. I got these boxes right next to each other and it's just got like my own little bar almost going on. And it just made me think of an actual restaurant, right? And if you had these instead of bottles, like the freshness, the quality, like will that be a movement as well? Like why I understand really big brands like Oyster Bay Sauvignon Blanc. There there's never an issue with a bottle sitting on a restaurant's shelf for more than a day of that. But, you know, to offer maybe a better price, a better value for everyone involved. Well, what
1: about space in the restaurant? It takes up less less real estate, yep, right?
0: It does. You got four bottles in whatever square, whatever however you want to measure this, you know, inches or what what have you, uh less space in the cellar, um, you know, instead of you no know, You know, when you're doing a buy the glass program, you stock the fridge or the counter, maybe you have about really four bottles. And it's like, oh, go grab another three or four bottles to reload. Now you're just going to grab one box to reload. So it's like even staffing, maybe it's a little bit easier, a little less time consuming. So, I mean, I think there's an open market here to get a little bit more creative. Maybe wineries make exclusively for on-premise or right. by the glass programs. Um, they start bottling like this. I think that's
1: I a, I think that's a really good idea. And there's a lot of people who have kind of pivoted to keg wines uh, and, and sure. restaurants all around Chicagoland and and the country. When we were in Washington a couple of years ago, Alexandria Nicole was really banking on doing more, uh, for by the glass program via keg. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's a good idea. But I think the box is a smaller barrier to entry, right? No special equipment. Mm-hmm. You know, you're probably going to have, I mean, it's obviously going to cost the winery more to box the wines than it does to keg the wines. Yeah. That's the cheapest of them all, you know, as of now.
0: But hopefully less than bottles. But less than bottles. Like in so between.
1: It's, it's an in-between and it's and it's accessible to a lot more wineries and there will be just like there's mobile bottling uh trucks there will be mobile bagging blattering trucks or what have you in other words there's a way to outsource that part of it before you invest in any equipment um I, i don't know i think that this could be for fresher and by the glass i think you just made a great point but i love the fact that i could get something that i know is fresh weeks later right like that still tastes pretty darn good versus the bottle that was left open, you know, for, for four days. And then I get it and I've got to tell somebody that it's not good Mm -hmm. because God forbid you taste the wine before you send it out uh, or even knows
0: it 90% of the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, you're going to get more consistency and you know, I'm just sitting here thinking like it's, you, you know, you open one box. That's the, the, the same time it takes to open one bottle. So now you've saved the time it takes to open three bottles on your, your labor, I, I know this is like micro level, but over the long haul, this stuff can make a difference. You know, yeah. so I don't know, man. It's crazy talk, and people are probably like, "Yeah, whatever." That's craziness. Well, but I, mean, I, I think it would be pretty badass.
1: I, I mean, as a restaurateur, I would be definitely interested. And that that rant about um, not tasting your by the glass bottle or making sure it's good before it goes out—that is my um, last uh, privileged uh, rant of the day. <laughs> First world problem or of the day. It right is. there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Exactly. There's bigger things in the world than that. There there definitely is. So but uh so anyway, going into wine number two here, man. This is uh and what caught my eye was the name. It's so it's so fun and cute, called Sandy Giovese. Sandy Giovese is a fictitious character. It's the alter ego of the owner um, who lived in Italy for eight years. She was studying opera, but she got into wine and wine importing and started a company. And uh, she started this, uh, this brand called Sandy Giovese. They make a Rosso, uh, which we're tasting today and a Rosato. Now, We'll get into the packaging first. Let's, let's start from the outside and work our, our way in. It's, it's really fun packaging. Um, I can see this definitely appealing to the very social and non-serious wine drinker. It's, it's fun and playful, right? Forget about gender anymore. It's, just a, it's fun and playful, and if that's your thing, you're going to gravitate towards it. Um, on the top, it says chill me, so that's actually pretty cool. You know, because it's a lighter red wine and it it should be thrown into the fridge. I can't imagine if this was like room temperature at 78 degrees in the summer or something. It might not come across as good. Uh, Three liters. So one box equals four bottles. They tell you that. And then the biggest things that they talk about on the side are, number one, reduce your carbon footprint. So here comes like the box wine, why you should drink box wine um and then where to follow sandy on instagram it tells you who it's imported by then there's a lot number which says four slash 2020 yeah. i'm not sure what that means it could mean that's when it was bottled or packaged that is so is it 20 like there's no vintage on this I say it was not on the box there is not a vintage compared to the splink right could be multi-vintage if that's the guess, case i would guess so you know yeah but it was packaged probably April of 2020 is when this was yeah. packaged. Um, then it says red wine, product of Italy. So that's as specific as we're getting with where this, where the fruit comes from. It comes from Italy. It's a pretty big country. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then alcohol is 12%. So this is lower than the fucking Gruner. Yeah. In terms of the labeling, right? Uh, the blend, we did a little bit of research R&D we went to their website to see if there was more information there and we did find a blend for this so this is 85% Sangiovese and 15% uh, Trebbiano which is a white varietal and those are probably the top two planted grapes in all of Italy Um, it could come from product of Italy maybe multiple regions I I didn't see how many of these were produced I didn't I don't think I found that. So if that pops up, Pete, let us know if you're, if you've got the website open, but this is a lot less, uh, information compared to the Splink about what it is, uh, a little bit more, um, straightforward. And then one last thing it says is Italian grapes from earth friendly farmers. That's groovy. That's cool. I dig what she's trying to say, but. It doesn't have any sort of real definition behind that. Um, earth-friendly farmers. So anyway, it's just my two cents, you know. It, to me, that didn't mean anything. It made me a little bit more skeptical of the quality. But when you see Vine Pear tasting all of these wines, and this made the number one spot, it was like, all right, there's got to be something good going on. So Yeah, I, I, know, I
1: mean, they just they don't have a production, right, because it's lots. So it'll be a rolling production, yeah. right? So there's yeah. no going to be, there's going to be no production. Versus, numbers.
0: versus the Splink, which was vintage, vintage dated. Right. They gave us a production figure on that, which was 18,000 boxes. So that was like times four, right? Now, four. see,
1: I thought it was the opposite
0: 18,003 liters.
1: Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah. different than what it said on the importers' site. Yeah. Wow. That's what, did it, it nice. what did it say there? 2,100 and something B- oh, wow. bibs yeah
0: huh. bottle well, and bag maybe we'll we'll look that up after the fact and we'll, yeah we'll put it in our social post or something Because yeah. we saw two different things there yeah yeah but this one that makes sense then all right yeah it's a lot so we're not really getting it's rolling production like you said and
1: yeah 2500 bib for the splink according to their their talk sheet yeah um yeah but nothing there you know when they say that it's um Organically farmed grapes, once again. Maybe that's what they mean by earth-friendly farmers, is that Mm -hmm. they're doing things organically. Um, You know, it's right on the box. It just says, juicy! And it is. It's a juicy wine.
0: A lot of strawberries and kind of strawberry jam. Yeah. um, Compote. It's not, um, not super concentrated or cloying or jammy, but there is this really um right you know, ripe fruit quality to it, but some underlying earthiness as well, which I'm kind of pleasantly surprised to find in here because I really thought it was going to be almost like Nouveau. Sangiovese Nouveau, if you will. Yeah. You know, like really clean and fruit forward and that's it. And this actually has something else going on.
1: Yeah. I mean the nose is Sangiovese, right? It's got that little bit of purple flowers. It's got that tiny bit of earth. Yeah. It's got that bright red cherry on the nose. Uh, for sure, it's easy drinking. The tannins are light. The acid is you know medium to medium minus, which you would kind of expect from uh, Sangiovese, right? As a as a grape, it's not exactly the you know acid bomb.
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, especially with a huge chunk of Trebbiano in there, too. right? I'm sure that cuts plenty of whatever structure might come from this Sangiovese here.
1: Yeah, I mean it's easy drinking and and, and pleasant. I mean, to me, at least, it is. I mean, I think that if I were to buy a nine-dollar bottle of Sangio, and this is what w- came out of it, I'd be like, okay, this is kind of what I expect, more or less. Nothing blows me away here, but nothing offends me. I guess that's the, you know, the bottom line. Like I, putting this in number one in a list, I'm a little surprised by. Yeah, I mean, that Grüner was much more structure, much more varietally correct.
0: Not uh, sure how, you know, it, again, but, uh, it's almost but it's like, opinion, like right? spectator top 100, top 10 wines. You know, can we reshuffle that deck a little bit and Give me, have a new?
1: This is a Suckles uh, 93, I think, a Suckling 93.
0: I'm sure she'd be quite happy with that to (laughs) stamp that on the box. Maybe I don't, I don't exactly know, but I'm sure just they're thrilled to have the number one in the vine pair. You know, it got got me to notice it and to go buy it because, you know, just like to have a a simple house wine around. And my poor wife is always like, I don't know what to open. What, you know, and you just have these ready to go. And it's like, she can just have a glass, a half glass. You can have a white and a red. Like the convenience factor is huge. It really is.
1: Yeah. My not James suckling. Score stickers are coming out soon, so
0: if she can if she can wait. <laughs> awesome, the PD stickers. So no, it just says not James. Suckling. Not oh, just literally not James Suckling. Ninety-three um, points. <laughs> real quick uh to wrap up on this, it does say that it was pro- uh, not produced, packed by this company, which is just a bunch of uh, letters in Montefano, Italy. And I, I don't know where Montefano is, and I just looked it up. It's in the Marche. Yeah. Plenty of Sangiovese and the Marque, yeah. plenty of Trebbiano. I don't know if all the sourcing is Marque. I can see them maybe trucking in some fruit from other regions. I don't know if if our if our importer and entrepreneur wants to weigh in and and shed some more detail. Um, I think that would be very interesting to know. Um, That's where that's what piques my interest the most about these things is like, yes, we just want the consumer to buy it and enjoy it and come back and buy it again, Um, which she does have a great website for that, where it highlights what states these are available in, which is, I think, about 10 states, mostly Northeast Midwest has Illinois, Wisconsin, Wisconsin and minnesota california and texas Uh, and she also has a list of where to buy so that's how i found this and it was there so this was at a great cute little shop in lakeview called bottles up it was listed on her website that they carry it so i walked in there and i said hey they say you have this do you and she's like we do it's right here and so kudos to that because that's that's really awesome but i want to know like they're
1: in foxtrot that's like the up-and-coming like thing
0: They are. And the reason I chose Bottles Up is because there's one of them. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't want to, you know, Foxtrot could be in one, not the other. There's, I don't know how many locations, but maybe eight, you know, seven, eight. They're opening new ones like on the daily. Actually, Foxtrot's blowing up, which is pretty uh, good for them. You know, it's a unique market, but um, I mean store, like they're a market. Um, Got a, a lot of cool products in there, but... Uh, anyways, so kudos on all the marketing towards the consumer for us industry behind the scenes. I'm totally interested to know, like, what is going on? Where are you sourcing your fruit? How much are you making? What are the logistics like for you right now, especially with supply chain issues going on? Um, and you know, what's your plan to scale? So those are the things that I would ask her. So if you want to come on the show, (laughs)
1: Well, we might know some people at
0: Massinois, their importer, that can yeah, help. Yeah, there right? we go. Go to the importer for sure. That I'm can sure help that with some of those those questions. Peter to, Seth would be happy to talk to us. Mm-hmm. Satisfy a curious mind. Mine. I guess Seth would be more the local. The local not guy. anymore.
1: Oh, he's not.
0: It's oh. Separate. Oh, it's separate. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Massinwa is Massinois, so we'd have to go to our good friend Mr. Uh, Steinhouse. Yeah,
1: Peter Steinhouse.
0: Yep. Oh, yeah. But I just learned that myself. Actually. Oh, I didn't know that. So sorry I ran, for into, I ran into him at Treby Carey. Oh, nice. Yeah. And they're not. They're
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Well, I, either way. I don't know how that whatever. I don't know either. But
1: the the point being that we know Peter Sainos. I worked for Peter at Winebow.
0: Oh, how was that experience? Great. He's fantastic. <laughs> I know Peter is a great guy. <laughs> yeah, he's
1: fantastic.
0: Absolutely awesome. And Massimo is a like luxury. I mean, there's a lot of great wines in their portfolio. So that was another kind of, you know, like. It was equal, like, I don't know about this wine. It's so playful in marketing, but it's brought in by Massenwa, and they represent, like, Aldo Conterno. Right. (laughs) And, like, top-shelf Barolo, so.
1: All right. Well, let's wrap it up this way. Is there any other boxed wines that you've had that you think people should take a look at? Oh, boy. Um... There's not <laughs> I'm just, like, no. <laughs> um, all right. So I gave house wine before. I do believe that those are good. I mean, like if you want just pure value, every day drinking, having a party,
0: yeah. House wine cab, house wine, Chardonnay in a box are, who, are good. Who, so now, now things are popping in my head. Who is the, the Rose producer from the Rhone? Um, I, I know Vin just carried some of their boxes recently. um, a summer or two ago that was really good quality stuff i can't think of the the darn name right now and then also the borsal people borgia or whatever i've had that before that was pretty decent yep and then i can't remember the name of it but borgia i believe is the box the name of the the wine in the box um so that that was good look to spain you know um and then you you were just saying house wine?
1: Yeah, I, I really like You know the house wine. And then the other one that I had actually ended up on the vine pair um, at number 12. La Petite Frog is a pick pool, but with warmer weather coming. Yeah. I mean, this isn't like, oh my gosh, I got to tell every person about this wine. This is just, I like really just nice, cold, white refreshing white wine dude i have not had that but peak pool in a box sounds
0: just perfect it so is just the perfect wine have on right? tap
1: yeah it's called Le petite frog it's a pick de panay mm-hmm. and it is it's just delicious right like it's just really good so i mean like i said if you're going out and you're looking for something complex like gray you know Go grab that Gruner, right? But the is probably about the same price. Yeah.
0: Um, but it's really just good stuff. Right on. It's interesting. Like, that's Languedoc Roussillon, massive production area. Um, Spain obviously has areas of massive production, especially of the Garnacha grape, which they can obviously make high-quality wines for low cost. Um, Italy, plenty of bulk wine sourcing available there. Right. We don't see as much domestically, and so... You know, house wine, Washington State, that, that makes sense to me that we'd see something from out there. I you know, I d I don't know domestically now Tablis Creek, but now we're going into that premium side and um and I would love to try the B O X T boxed brand at some point. So maybe we can get our get our hands on one, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean and um you know the, the chicken wine Oh La Vieille Ferme. Yeah, they yeah. make they make
0: boxed wines too. Right on. Um, that's another kind of house staple of ours. That's... Uh, it's always good. Easy to just have a glass of. Yep.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've always found that their stuff is pretty pretty darn good, actually. Yeah,
0: for sure. So, yeah. Is that still the Perrin family? Do you know? I, th- Which I th- is the family of Bowcastle, which is related to... Ta- I don't know if they're... I don't know the business connections anymore between Tobless Creek and Bowcastle, if there are any. I would assume so, but...
1: yeah. I, I don't know. I mean I think so though. I mean I
0: haven't seen any any sales. Yeah. Um and I think there was a Cote de in this list or if not, I know like other people are talking about box wine. This is not like some crazy like wow, you know, that wine pod going uh you know off the path you know there's other pods out there that have talked about box wine there's youtube videos there's sommiers like andre mack that did a box wine segment um and i think maybe he he was the one that i saw cote de rouge and that makes sense to find some again southern france you know like these areas that are known for producing lots and lots of grapes right yeah yeah for sure lots and lots of vineyards so right on. Well, I mean, from the amount we tasted here for the show, I got a lot of box wine left. <laughs> better, you, and, you and Aaron better start drinking. <laughs> Honey, I'm heading home. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a, a long
1: kind of return to return to podcasting, you know, for
0: us. And it's been a while. It's March. Our last episode was December. We'll yeah. Give, give the people something to chew on for yeah. a little bit here.
1: Yeah. We're not sure like, what our recording schedule will be. On the next episode, we'll do a little bit more catch up on what's been going on with both of us. Um, in the meantime, most of my life is still in podcast form on Fat Man Chronicles at this point. So mm-hmm. feel free to, to give that a listen. Check and, that
0: out. That's got a little bit of a new format and there's a yeah. new, some, some new subject matter, if you will, to, yeah. to, to pay attention to. So I would say to our listeners, you know, yeah. take a look at Fat Man Chronicles.
1: Yeah. And I'm going to just, I'm going to give you a. Uh, just a real quick heads up. You will hear me on that. Talk about me like really thinking about my drinking. Yeah. And we'll talk about that more next episode. Cool. But just understand every, all of us, like I'm not saying nobody should drink anytime I'm in there. Right. Like, but we all go through phases in our life where we think about what do we want? What do we want to do and what's impacting us. Right. And right now I've just had some things that have, Kind of taking me away from day-to-day drinking yeah and it's not a bad thing no you know so uh it and quite frankly it just leaves more out there for everybody else to enjoy yeah
0: because i'm not taking it i mean i'm i'm still working in the industry and we can talk about that again in the next yeah. episode but i am really trying to also find at least a day or two in there where you just have a lot of water yeah You know, and definitely a little bit like that makes a difference. Yeah. Um, So um, anyway, that'll be some fun conversation for next time. And absolutely. Like you said, we'll try to get some more content going, maybe some shorter episodes compared to this one. So we can put out a few more episodes uh, more often. Um, But uh, hopefully we can get together more and chat about wine and what's going on because it's always fun. That is true. All right. That'll do it.
1: Remember, life is short. Drink what you like tonight. Thank you for listening to That Wine Pod. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at, at That Wine Pod. And we are That Wine Podcast on Facebook. Also, check out Mike on Instagram at Venomike. And Pete is at Fatman Stories. Please subscribe to That Wine Pod on your favorite podcast app and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show. The music is Proto-Funk by Kevin MacLeod. That Wine pot is a production of Paragon Media. <laughs>